Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening. Additive manufacturing continues to make inroads in the aerospace industry and to have an impact on various supply chains. I'm here today with Jeff Blanford, a solution architect at Morph3D, to discuss the latest developments in these areas. Jeff has more than 10 years of experience developing state-of-the-art design and analysis solutions for composite and metallic aerospace systems. He has an aeronautical and astronautical engineering degree from Ohio State University. So thank you for joining me today, Jeff. Uh, Happy to be here, Leslie. Thank you. All right. So additive manufacturing is becoming a dominant tool for the aerospace industry to use. Are there any newer technical developments regarding AM's use in the aerospace industry that an engineer might want to focus on or learn more about? I would start by setting up some background on what we consider additive manufacturing, right? Uh, I think you alluded to it in your question. Additive manufacturing means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people, really. Some folks, you know, you'll throw in the term 3D printing, but really what it comes down to is building up your substrate of your part first is uh, taking it from a large chunk of metal or some large other substrate and bringing it down subtractively or conventionally, right? So there's laser powder bed fusion, there's binder jetting, there is um, fused deposition modeling. There's all these, and you know, the list goes well beyond that, right? Uh, direct energy deposition, all these kind of acronyms and terms all have slight advantages and disadvantages uh, in terms of size, materials, uh, feature tolerances, things of that nature. Uh, I would say the biggest thing for, for any engineer who's looking to dive into this technology would really be to look at the requirements of what you're trying to solve and then working backwards from there to figure out what additive technology or what additive design uh, advantage you want to go after. Um, I would say that you know a lot of times people see these very awesome, cool, topology-optimized organic structure demonstrations, for example, and they want to apply that to every part in their vehicle or every part in their system. And in most cases, those that type of optimization, for example, is very tuned towards structural load path optimization, right? Not, not necessarily for a thermal application or for some other feature-based optimization where you're trying to weigh against a whole bunch of uh, objectives and constraints. So, and there's, and there's different additive technologies for each of those scenarios. So I would, I would just say, to summarize that, is really focus on what you're trying to achieve and then go out and talk to the experts and talk to folks who know what, what these machines and what this technology can do and what it can't do, and then go from there. Yeah, it's interesting because additive or 3D printing, both plastics, polymers, and metals can be used in the aerospace industry just for very different applications. That's right. Yeah, and, and I'd say right now we've seen that plastics, especially for non-critical, non-structural purposes, have probably taken a lead, I'd say, at this point in terms of actually getting on programs of record. Uh, however, obviously, where we're we sit on more 3D, we, we focus on, on metal additive, right? And we're really seeing that really go up a very steep incline of, uh, of adoption and acceptance uh, in defense and aerospace industry, which is really exciting. It's something that I think our whole industry has been uh, gearing towards for a long time. And I think we're starting to see a tipping point, if you will, where um, whether it's because of need or because of cost or because of supply chain issues, right? We're seeing a lot of demands for uh, not, not just additive plastic parts, but additive metal parts, which is really exciting for us. And we're, we're able to dive into 
those capabilities with our customers and come up with things that couldn't be do conventionally. Do you think that that might be because customers are starting to feel more comfortable with the metal materials that additive can work with in the aerospace field? I think it's a, it's just a general maturity of materials, uh, you know, being able to trust that what's coming off the printer, especially with the enormous amounts of testing we've been doing, uh, you know, in the whole industry, not just us and more 3D, but I, I can't imagine the, the whole number of uh, testing coupons that have been printed, right, on laser powder bed fusion printer uh, machines to help prove to the wider aerospace and defense industry that, that we know what we're doing. We know with confidence what's going to come off the machine and continuing to enhance those, um, you know, our parameters, what we call them, to deliver the material requirements that uh, that need to be delivered. But it's, not, and, and it's interesting because the materials are also a result of the process itself, right? So on these machines, there's all sorts of different parameters and knobs and tubes and different laser settings that you need to find, you know, adjust like a really good recipe, right? And get that down and get that locked in so you know what's coming off the printer. Uh, the design processes themselves, knowing what can be printed, what can't be printed from a feature function standpoint. I think we're all kind of going along this this additive journey together. And I think we're starting to reach a point of maturity where people are starting to have confidence in the solutions. Okay. Now, one of the things I keep hearing a, a lot about in both the additive industry, as well as the specific aerospace market is digitization. Mm. That's a term that's being thrown around a lot. So are there any specific factors of digitization, especially in relation to this additive technology and the aerospace industry that an engineer should expect to deal with? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, this is probably my, my number one area of focus. So you've hit uh, on a sweet spot for me, uh, the digital twin digital thread, right? You'll hear those two terms thrown around quite a bit, not just an additive, but across the engineering community in general. In additive, it's, it's even more demanding and even more relevant, I'd say, because uh, really, if you look at what additive is doing, even more so than traditional, let's say, CNC, G-code kind of type manufacturing, everything is software driven with, with additive, right? You develop a, a specific program through software to develop hardware. You're going from bits to atoms quite directly. So the, the digital twin of that model, what you see is what you're going to get, right? We've had, you know, we've, we've had our own scars and pains where we've gone and taken a model that looked great. We got and printed it and we found there's issues. And then lo and behold, you go into the digital twin, the CAD model of that part. And, oh, yep, there's that issue. It's right there, right? What you see is what you get, which is a little bit different than, hey, I'm going to create a CAD model to then create a three-view drawing from which I'm going to then send to a machinist to go machine it, right? This is whatever's in that model, you know, the, the common adage, gar garbage in, garbage out. It applies the additive probably more than any other manufacturing technology up to this point. So how do you maintain that? And how do you make sure that you're having a quality digital twin all the way through that digital thread? The, one of the biggest challenges in the industry today is that a lot of uh, software providers in this space have come up with a lot of amazing tools, right? Tools that can do things like gyroid lattice and topology optimization. And then you take that to your build processor that interprets that CAD model and actually turns it into code that the printer can read. And then there's simulation tools that can let you simulate the actual metal part building up in real time such that you can actually see how it's going to deform and adjust your support strategy, or maybe you actually compensate for that distortion, right? These are all really valuable tools, but they all live in their own kind of you know, systems and silos. And what often has to happen in order for an engineer 
to actually push that all the way through to completion is to actually, you know, you do some work in one tool, you export, you import into another tool, you do some more work, and you have this kind of series of breaking the chain, so to speak. And then you get down to the very end, you print a part, you get all the way through to inspection, you realize there's an issue that you need to go back and fix. But the challenge was because you did all that work in different places, uh, number one, it's hard to kind of track what, where you did and where, or what you did and where, I should say. And also, uh, you have to redo that work in most cases, right? Uh, not to mention the fact that now you have, you know, n number of different tools that you have to maintain and have training on and update and different, you know, folks to deal with. So what we're trying to do, and what I think a lot of folks in our industry are trying to do, are trying to connect that digital thread in a way that is concise and traceable more than anything else, right? Especially as we, as additive in the metal world, continues to push into more programs of record on the defense and commercial side, that traceability to be able to look at a serial number on a part and have complete lineage all the way through from the CAD model to the simulation models to the manufacturing models, which printer was printed on, what version of the software was used, having all of that maintained and tracked across a connected digital thread is really what, what's required. So the answer is yes. <laughs> it's a very long, long way of saying yes. The, uh, the, the, the digital, the digitization, right, of, of uh, the engineering process, I would say is as important, if not more important for additive than it is for any conventional methodology of manufacturing. And one of the benefits of, of this using additive in this manner is that you don't have as much of a cost penalty as you might with other technologies when you have to make these changes based on what you see, what you get. Absolutely. I mean, that this is the way I always try to, you know, when I'm talking with customers, especially who are new to additive, right. They, who don't really understand, you know, they understand it's cool. And it's like, wow, this is, you know, I understand the what of it, but I don't understand the why. So what we try to talk is why would you go to additive? And really, you know, there's, there's a lot of ancillary reasons you might find in very kind of niche applications, but I think the broad strokes of the value proposition of additive are twofold. And you kind of, I use the term cost, not necessarily in dollar amounts, but cost in terms of time, effort, energy, money, in terms of with additive, you're breaking relationships of cost versus complexity is the number one, is the first one, right? So if something's extremely complex, let's say I have a really complex lattice structure that I can go and print by and large, as, as far as the actual additive process is concerned, whether I'm printing that really complex lattice structure or whether I'm printing a solid block material, the costs really are the same. It's, it comes down to runtime and powder consumed, right? So I don't pay that penalty for complexity the same way I would if I had a really complex part that I was CNC machining, for example. And if the more complexity and the more blends and curved surfaces I put on a part is increases exponentially the amount of time on the machine. That's not how additive works. So I break that relationship between cost and um, complexity. I also, I think to, your, to the point you alluded to in your question or your comment, uh, I break the relationship between cost, and again, not necessarily in dollar terms, but in time, effort, and money, cost and uh, lot size. And what I mean by that is, you know, especially for anything that's casted or, or molded, right? Anything that requires a huge amount of tooling to do, you really only get, as an engineer, you have to do all of your work kind of in simulation lands and digital lands because your testing opportunities are really, really limited because when that cast goes to get created, right, you're kind of locked into that design because right. that's where a lot of the money up front is. So with additive, I, I eliminate that fixed cost and I replace it with a variable cost where my variable cost, I mean, obviously you, you account for the printer up front, but now I go to a model where I can go and throw something on a printer 
see how it prints and get immediate feedback, go in, change my model, and then print it again, right? Uh, you combine that capability with advanced simulation capability, so nonlinear structural dynamics, or nonlinear uh, structural analysis, computational fluid dynamics, excuse me. Uh, these types of advanced simulation tools are really powerful, but now I actually can very quickly go and print a physical version of that digital simulation. And now I can do much higher levels of correlation to have much better confidence that the answers I'm coming up with on my computer screen match the answers I get in real life. That's something that is, you know, that, that's where additive plays really well with simulation. And they're really symbiotic because one can reinforce the other and allow an engineer to come up with designs that you wouldn't have the ability to come up with otherwise. Yeah, I really like your definition of digitization because I've heard so many others, but that was one of the best ones that I've ever heard. And it really helps reframe what you think of additive and how you can use it. Yes, and I, I think it's it's not necessarily even what you can do. It's why you want to do it and, and what problems you're trying <clears throat> to solve, right? Again, so additive is not going to be the best solution for everything. I think that's one of the key things that we try to to, to walk through with our customers is that hey, we, as much as we would love to go and print everything, right? There's a business case and there's a value proposition that needs to be met in order for that to make sense. And for simple parts that um, are, you know, mostly straight edges and, you know, very low complexity or very high lot sizes, additive might not make sense, right? But for a really complex part where there's a really complicated manufacturing method to take a number of different pieces and kind of, you know, go, go through this month-long process of reassembly and, brazing and welding and re, you know assembling multiple components together if we can replace that with one hit the print print button print a single part and then take that through post-processing that's a value proposition that's a winner right so one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest opportunities we have with our customers is walking through them and working together to find candidates that give us the greatest value and we're added it makes the most sense and this digitization is where we are able to leverage I, I, use, I, I like to refer to additive as an enabler, right? It's a technology, but it's really an enabler. It's up to the engineer to use design tools and to use this digital thread to take advantage of what additive can enable. In general, since I know you, you have to deal with customers on a more specific level, but in general, are there tips or thoughts that you could give to them that help them kind of eliminate those projects that are not suitable? for additive versus those that really can benefit from additive? Uh, my, first, my first piece of advice would be, you know, there's a lot of folks in this industry who have scars, right? Uh, you know, everyone, everyone here at Moro3D has scars from where we've kind of gone and, and, and learned our lessons in kind of painful ways, I'd say, right? <laughs> uh, so I would recommend, my first recommendation is if you're getting new, if you're new or you're, you know, you're getting pressure or influence from, your management or, or your influencers, your stakeholders to, to go and look into this technology, go talk to someone who's gone through that journey, right? I think you can, I think one can short circuit and avoid a lot of pitfalls just by speaking with folks who have gone through and, and you know, gotten all of the bows and arrows, you know, uh, to them already, right? Uh, so that'd be my number one kind of piece of advice. My other one would be, a lot of times customers want to jump right in and they want to try to understand. Um, here's a great example. We'll get designs that were that were clearly made for conventional manufacturing methods, right? Casting, forging, milling, right? And they'll throw it over the wall and say, hey, I want to print this. What is this going to look like? And almost more times than not, you know, the the economics and the value proposition is going to be an instant loser, right? Because 
and and then what will what will happen is, is they'll say, well, this is way more expensive than our current parts, and this isn't giving me. Why would I do this? This additive isn't there, right? And then you have to. And this is where you have to kind of you know put your you know put a little bit of a sales cap on and under and explain to them why. Yes, this particular design you sent us, it would it will cost this much to make, and you'll get this much performance because you didn't design it with additive intent, right? And and that is kind of where the rubber meets the road in terms of if we're able to work with a customer and not just us in more three, but the industry at large, work with the aerospace and defense folks who are trying to get into this technology and walk them through why this needs to be designed in a certain way or why, you know, where it makes the most sense, right? That's where we can actually push through and, and get those, get that value proposition across the line. So Talk to someone who knows, who's, who's gone through it, right? Who's, who can be an expert in the field. And the other piece of advice I would give is to be open-minded in terms of what capabilities and what technologies you need to, to deal with. Because often if you go into a problem with a predefined, this is going to be my answer, you might be right, but you might not be right, right? So in terms of looking back, this goes back to my initial uh, point, I think earlier in our interview is to look at what your actual problem is that you're trying to solve and then try to pick the technology that makes the most sense for that problem. So look at your requirements and then pick a technology that matches those requirements. And then finally, my third piece of advice is start with a demonstration project, right? Uh, don't dive right into something that's already being manufactured conventionally and expect that to just work for additive. I think a lot of people think that they can take any design and throw it in and hit a button, it's gonna work. It's, it's not, or even if it does work, you're not really gonna gain benefit out of that. Only in cases of you know small lot sizes and using onesie twosies things, yeah, we can do that, but that's not really what we're about. We're about creating designs that can only be made additive to drive value that can only be created with additive. So start with a demonstration project where you actually have your original design, you have all the costs and the benefits and the, um, the performance lined up, and then go and see, okay, what if we reimagine this system, right? And, it may, and, and sometimes it's not even at a part level, sometimes it's at a system level where you're looking at not only an individual component, but actually looking at the surrounding components and saying, how can we combine these into one single piece and eliminate all the assembly costs? That's a huge value driver for additive. And as the machines get bigger and bigger, that opportunity also scales uh, with that uh, size increase in machine. So go build a demonstrator and go prove it to yourself and prove it to, uh, to your stakeholders that additive can be done and go into that with an open mind, right? And again, sometimes it might not work and understand that failure is part of the equation. And you know sometimes you're gonna have to go through some failures to get to the successes. And that's best achieved in a demonstration kind of prototype uh, opportunity as opposed to just expecting it to work right off the bat. Now, a lot of, there's a lot of uh, service providers in this field. Would you recommend that engineers contact several of them? Or, I mean, how do you balance that versus your specific project and the advice that you need? I would say it's challenging to <laughs> say the least, because I think a lot of different service providers, as you, as you kind of stated, offer a lot of different capabilities. And I think it's challenging, I would admit and concede, it's challenging for an engineer who's trying to figure out how do I get this done to know where to go and who to talk to, who's going to give you, you know, something that's going to work for, for that, that engineer or that program manager. A lot of uh, additive solutions providers in our space are referred to as service bureaus, for example, right? right? Uh, where you know their 
their main value proposition is mostly printing space. It's mostly print, you know, send me, you know, if you send me a design or a CAD model, I will throw it on the printer and I will provide you with what that thing came off with, right? Whether it's going to, you know, work or not work for that program manager or that engineer's needs is a whole nother story, right? That in a lot of, a lot of folks don't really go into that level of detail because it's really hard to say, you know, for both parties to kind of, you know, work together to come up with a, a cohesive solution. So a lot of the industry right now is, is almost more of a, that service bureau model of send me a, send me a part, I'll print a part for you. Here's your part, right? And what I, I, you know, I can't speak to everyone in the industry, but I know what we're trying to do at More3 is we're trying, we see, and we've gone through this process where in order for Added to really reach, you know, realize that vision of value proposition that everyone's talking about, it's going to take a much higher level of collaboration, not only with our customers, but also with our suppliers um, to all come together and develop solutions that are actually going to drive value. Because at the end of the day, if it's not better, faster, or cheaper, no one really, you know, it's, it's a cool science project up until that point, right? And if for someone who's looking to, you know, to, to answer your question, for someone who's trying to navigate this landscape, try to find partners who are working across the industry. You know, this is a little bit my own kind of personal mindset on this is I think folks who are trying to do everything themselves, I think that's really challenging. I think those folks are going to be challenged moving forward. Maybe some are, are able to pull it off and that's great. But I think right now where the industry is today, it's going to take a lot of collaboration between materials providers, software providers, uh, the printer OEMs to really come together uh, with the customers to come up with those solutions. So I would look for folks who, are, who have that kind of mindset. All righty, great. Thank you. Um, that's all the time we have questions for, but I appreciate your time, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leslie. It was a, it was a pleasure.